hey, look, we have a team. And compared to a financial advisor, you don't have to pay us. We'll give you the best solutions. I just need a statement. We'll tell you what, what we can do for you if we can help you out. Let them know too. It's like, hey, look, based on all these things, free service, we can help you great. Um, but at the same time, um, can I ask you a question? Are you uh, a saver or you're an investor? <laughs> Thank you for uh, joining us. Uh, we got the uh, agent Q&A. You got your host here, John. We got Joanne. Hi, we got Albert. All right. So we got some questions. All right. So first off, um, we had a contracting issue a couple of days ago. If you are hiring someone, let's say you have a downline or you have a downline, downline's downline, and they're getting contracts requested. What has been an issue if the middle downline or you don't have your agent numbers or your writing numbers updated on HCMS? Yeah, so when when agents don't have their writing numbers updated in HCMS, um, and it's like that middle person you're talking about, they definitely create a um, a barrier, I want to say, or like a, I don't know, like a block a or a holdup for that other agent. Um, and that's because in the hierarchy, the way that the way that it's structured, everybody needs to be contracted with the carrier. And if they're not contracted with the carrier, then they need to let me know that you know the the current upline is not contracted and we need to skip yes. them in the hierarchy. Yeah, we need to do bypasses. So let's say we have some agents there from different IMOs or different companies and they're doing FFL and they're part of something else and they don't want to switch their carriers, but they're inviting in a downline. They don't have any carriers and right. they want to get everything with us. They need to be bypassed. So let us know. Um, but it's I know it's a little bit of a, a task issue, but once you get your contracts, Go to your HDMS, add your carriers, add your writing numbers in there because it, it helps us with tracking. It helps us with your future downlines as well. Yeah. And anytime that there is um, somebody that is um, being held up, um, you guys will always receive an email notification um, from me directly from NLC or directly from HCMS letting you guys know um, to go ahead and update your writing numbers. And just one thing I wanted to add, I mean, Joanne, Joanne's really good about trying to make sure everything's properly set up and not not trying to skip anyone because you know we understand how how you guys originally set it set it up to be but you know we try to do everything within reason so mm -hmm. if there's an upline that's not responsive they're not working they're not doing anything i mean like after a certain point if she can't get a hold of them like we have no choice but to bypass she'll come in and say what should we do I'm, and i'll just like let's just bypass that person in the meantime if they get recontracted if they get contracted later then we'll just re realign the hierarchy correctly but I mean, I think I think everyone needs to be reasonable about that that situation too. Because I had an agent when we when we first started, there was a there was something. The contracting is way it was way more complicated oh, yeah. back then because everything was paper and we didn't have HCMS, we didn't have you know Shrell Seed that's set up as the way it is now. So then there was an agent that I hired. I put it under this agent, and then and then the agent uh, you know wasn't wasn't using this one carrier. The, the the downline started writing some business and then you know it went on for months and then later on like that one agent finally like recognized he's like he's not in the hierarchy and then he came and he's like dude how, like i'm not in the hierarchy blah 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 and i'm like okay and i'm like let's let's get it fixed and then he's like dude but think about all those overrides i missed out on yeah and i'm like <laughs> i'm like well i didn't know i'm like i'm i'm not i'm not paying attention to every single hierarchy i'm like well i'm not breaking down every single thing i'm like i assumed you were and then, and then he's, he's like, you know, he wasn't on top of the contracting or anything. And then right. he was just like, he's like, are you going to pay me back those commissions? And I'm like, no. I'm like, first of all, I hired the person and I did you a, did you a solid. And then sec <laughs> second of all, I'm like, if it's been months and then you don't use that carrier at all, you know nothing about it. You don't care about your business. And then 
it, and I didn't try to, I didn't try to snake him from you. Like, well, I, like whose fault was that? It was entirely my intention to to make sure that it was it was supposed to be worked out. But it's your responsibility. That burden is on you. It's not on me. Right. So I'm like, I'm like, I I don't know. I mean, I don't I don't, I don't want to, anyone to lose out on any overrides or whatever. Yeah. So that was never my intention. But I'm like, dude, it's not reasonable. Yeah. Like you should have you should have figured that out a long time ago. Yeah. You should have done your your follow up. And then plus, if you're not involved that involved in your business, why do you expect to get paid on it? Yeah. How do you how do you watch out now when someone else caught it and then you figured out that you lost some money from it? Right. Right. But then also, um, I want to throw it back at like the managers. You know, if you guys are hiring, then make sure that you are in position to be hire to be adding agents to your your agency you know if you guys know that you guys are not contracted with the carriers yet or if you guys are pending contracting or if you guys submitted submitted the contracts but never followed back up with the carrier then i think you guys definitely should um should take a look at your hcms or if you guys have any questions in regards to how to obtain your writing numbers just reach out to us for the most part you guys will receive a welcome email from um from the carriers if you guys don't then you guys will um yeah, if you guys don't receive a welcome email, then I would recommend reaching out to the carrier directly and seeing what the holdup is with yeah. that carrier. Um, but overall, the managers should take a look at your HCMS, make sure that your carriers are in there. Um, and if they're not in there for whatever reason, reach out to one of us and we can definitely help you get on track before you start onboarding somebody. Yeah, that's one of the biggest holdups that we have. We get new agents getting onboarded, but they're just invited on HCMS. And then sometimes the middle manager doesn't know how to help them with HCMS, doesn't know how to onboard them. So we get agents that are just waiting and waiting and thinking they don't have to do anything. And they don't write business because they don't have agent numbers. When we can get you an agent number. Within yeah. Days. Yeah. Then if you're one of those agents that's in that same situation, just reach out to your direct upline or to one of us to me directly and we'll for sure help you get on track with yeah. having your contracting on point. Yeah. yeah, we're definitely here to help. So so the thing is, if you guys get stuck in any any part of the process, let us know. And the, and the thing is, I've, I've had also had some agents be like, well, no one ever told me to do this and follow up with the carrier. No one told me to do this and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, you know, there, there's a certain level that's that's fair for, for us to try to follow up on to a certain degree. But for the most part, I mean, we're all independent contractors. We don't get paid for contracting anybody, so that so the thing is, we need some communication on your part. If you if you if you want to get it through, and reach out to us. Well, even if I'm not going to do certain parts, like I'm not going to call the carrier to follow up on your contracts. Yeah, and you actually things, can't even you. call call them call the carrier for them because they don't give us any information. Like I can't call the carrier for anybody. They yeah. won't give me much information on. Well, I, think, I think status. I can because I'm the upline. Well, yeah. And I got, you know, got yeah. a little bit of juice. Yeah. You know, you know, somebody up there. Albert. But, but, um, Albert's Albert. But, you know, there's certain things I'm, I'm like, I'm like, I can't, I'm not going to call to follow up on someone yeah. else's status. You know, like if there's certain, if there's like hiccups yeah. and things above your certain level of pay grade. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I'm, by all means, I'll, I'll take the time to do all that. But if the, I, I'm, we may just point you in the right direction. And that's, right. that's, everyone plays their part, which uh, I wanted to further expound on that. Just, so if you're a manager that comes in and just says, I just want to hire a bunch of people and not do anything, and get paid. Yeah. Like that's fine. Like everyone, everyone, everyone can come in and you could do, you could do, you play your particular role. Like we know some people say like, I just want to hire. I don't want to, I don't want to sell. I don't want to do anything else. I'm like, that's, that's okay. I mean, the, this is, if, if you're good at what that doing that, then do that. But also recognize it's not just like, I'm just going to hire people and then like completely be hands off mm. and do nothing and expect to get paid. Cause the reality is you got to understand your business up to a certain degree. Like if you don't want to sell, if you can get by financially, you're okay with with where you go. That's your prerogative. 
But if you're just like, I'm just going to just not do anything. I'm just going to hire a bunch of people and then let everyone else do all the other work. <laughs> we're going to do our part. But if you happen to get skipped on certain things, you can't cry about it later. <laughs> You're right. It's like, what do you know about your business? Like, yeah, like, there's there's moving parts you got to know, or somebody's got to be delegated for it. Yeah. So if you don't want to do anything, here's the best solution: hire some staff, somebody right. that knows what they're doing. Do 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 the minimum. I'm not saying you have to do every single part of this business yeah. if that's not your goal in in this industry. But the thing is, take a little bit of pride. Be a little, yeah. be a professional. Like, it's your business. It it's not a business if you're not engaged or you don't have a manager, you don't have anybody. So and if, you, and if you don't know what that is. Ask one of your uplines. Ask ask me. I'll I'll set you straight. Yeah, we'll help you out. We'll be there for you. But yeah, so just make sure anybody recruiting, getting downlines, stay on track of your business. Stay on track of the welcome email. That as soon as you send an invite, as soon as the agent does their HTMS, they're gonna get a welcome email within about twenty four hours from Joanne. And so it's on that agent or the manager to help that agent to get onboarded so they can get agent numbers so they can all make money right away. Right. So moving on to the next topic. Uh, conversation that happened over a, a couple of days. Um, question for Albert. We had uh, a client. He had an orphan 401k, so he just switched to a new job. Right? Under age, um, I mean, under retirement age, okay. meaning 59 and under. So he's considering then um, on switching his old orphan 401k to an, an either an annuity or just roll it over to a traditional IRA. Right. So it's like, Here's an agent that can help them, but what are the right things to say or to convince that, that client for that situation? Why annuity over traditional IRA or why IRA over annuity? Okay. Um, one, and, I, and IRA is in a variable product, so it's directly, that's directly into the market. So there's a lot of volatility. There's ups and downs. So they can lose money. Someone's also actively managing it for them. So they're paying a fee, typically like 1% to 4% probably. Mm -hmm. So those are the those are the downsides of you know putting into an IRA. Also, with an IRA, there's limited contribution amounts per year that you can put into it. So there's a there's if you have an existing lump sum of money like a four orphan four hundred one k, which by the way for an orphan four hundred one k that means you had a four hundred one k with a company or a four hundred three b or some other type of company sponsored plan, and then you you can't roll it, you can't do anything with it until you're fifty nine and a half years old. You can't touch it without getting taxed. Without yeah, without early early penalty fees, unless you change employment, you you retire or you leave that company. You're no longer with that same company where you started it with. Hmm. At that point, you can move it to wherever you want, and you can move it to an IRA as we kind of discussed, or you can move it to a fixed index annuity, which is our recommendation because number one, we sell it. Yep. But, but number two, I mean, I I think that the, there's a lot of um, security in, it in that. There's there's a there's a floor, so you're not going to lose any money on it. So you're guaranteed to not lose money, and then there's also it creates for a lifetime income potential. You know, with an IRA, you could lose money in the uh, in the downside of the market. You could you're paying fees whether you're gaining money or losing money, and then you also could be start you can start taking out distributions. And the thing is, all those three things in in unison at a certain point, if you just run out of money, you run out of money. If you if you put into a fixed index annuity, the thing is it protect it provides you downside market protection. Right. That you'll never worry about losing money. You'll uh, you can you can uh, take out periodic distributions as you like. If you can participate in the upsides, and then you also can create a lifetime income. So if you decide to do the lifetime income stream or annuitize it, whatever the amount is, you set it, and then it'll 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 it has a formula it puts it into. It'll pay you out for the, for as long as you live. 
So it doesn't matter if you live to be 90, 100, 120, 150. If you live to be 200, if you're like in Wolverine, you're right. like that one Wolverine where you transplant your consciousness into into a, another physical being and you live forever, they'll, I guess the insurance company yeah. has to continue to pay you. And it doesn't matter whether there's still money or not. You're still getting right. a lifetime income, right? The insurance company is taking a bet. You know, and if they if they pay you more than what you initially put into it or paid you more than what they're anticipating pay you because you outlive that, that's just something that they're got the money for. There's something they got the money for because they diversify it amongst all the other policies and products that they have. So it's part of their portfolio. They factor that in. I got a question on that. So yeah. for your 401k, even if you move into a traditional IRA, right? So let's say he, he does do, do it a traditional IRA. He can't touch the money with penalty without penalties. If he borrows from it or takes a, uh, out from it, there's two penalties, right? One, because you're under retirement age, it's going to count against you because it's untaxed money. So that gets taxed right away. Now you got that new tax money. Let's say you took out 10,000. What's the percentage on taxes on that? About 20 to 30? You I'm might not, get I'm like not sure. You'll get an early withdrawal fee. Right. Yeah. So you, you'll get taxed. So instead of taking 10,000, maybe let's say it's 7,000, right? Now that 7,000 adds to your income on top of what you're making. So now come income tax, you have to pay taxes on that again. Yeah. So if he moved it to an annuity, <clears throat> with annuities, you get a 10% free withdrawal. Okay, so he moves his qualified money to an annuity. Will that 10% free withdrawal be taxed as well? It'll be taxed as ordinary income. So it'll be taxed on- Just one time total. at the yeah. end. Right. But he won't get a penalty for taking it out. Right. So- that's a benefit of an annuity where if you need some money, you can get a 10% free withdrawal from it and you're not going to get taxed twice. Yeah. But more, more importantly, I think the thing is if you cash out an IRA, you're going to get taxed on it. If you do a simple rollover, and this is probably a lot of clients concern, you do a simple rollover from a orphan 401k and you, or an IRA, whatever, and you mm -hmm. roll into an annuity that stays tax deferred. And no, there's no tax implications. Right. And then let's just expand on what, it, what is an IRA. All of these are actually IRAs, okay? IRA just stands for in Individual Retirement Account. So you had an individual 401k. If you move it to your traditional IRA, your, your own independent retirement account, or the annuity, it's still also an IRA. Yep. So uh, a lot of clients forget that, or they think they reclassify what's what and what's this and what's that. They're all your retirement vehicles. So when you roll it over, it's going to be the same thing. So it's beneficial. Um, we learned it from Coronado in, in the sales conference last week or two, two and a half weeks ago, maybe now. Real good training. Yeah. So he, he used an analogy of going to the mall. Okay. So when you go to the mall, there's the elevators and there's the escalators. So the stocks, the bonds, you know, the market, he calls it the elevator. It can go up and it can go down on levels. When you move it to an annuity, it's like an escalator. It can only go up and go up and go up. It doesn't go down with that one escalator. So if the market tanks, elevator will go up and down, the escalator will just stay still. And then when the market makes money again, the escalator goes back up. So that's the benefit of an annuity. When you get into a client in that age group, you know, if they're in their, their early 30s, early 20s, okay, maybe they have a flexibility, they have a chance in the market, they have the ability to re recover their losses if the market tanks. But if they're nearing retirement, would it be safer to go on a traditional IRA versus an annuity? I would think about getting to an annuity Instead of being aggressive with making more money, I would be more conservative because what are we doing right now with the market, right? Market's not exactly being great. <laughs> Hopefully it's going to recover, but at the same time, when will that happen again? Well, when will it go up and down? So that would be my take on moving that to an annuity. Well, yeah, I want to, in full disclosure, I just want to make the point that an annuity is not for everybody. 
So like the, the thing is depends on your risk tolerance right. and depends on how aggressive you want to be in the market in terms of investing. So like you're like a crypto maniac yeah. and you just, you just like, you love the upside of crypto or if you, uh, or if you want to play the markets and you just think you're like the wall street genius and you're a wall street whiz and you want to take your shot at it. Like there's much more potential upside for that because with, with an annuity, the way they credit you interest is how you gain money in it mm-hmm. is that you're going to uh, the insurance company, they, they, they track along with an index. And then when that index does well, they'll credit you a percentage of it, not the full amount. Right. They you take know, their so cut. They take their cut first. So that's their, their VIG. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, it's like the dealer. They just take, they take, they take their, their percentage first and then you get, and then you get the the rest of it, which it's actually a good risk because the thing is you, you have downside market protection. So right. the thing is, if you, if the market ever goes down, index goes down, the company eats the loss alone. Yeah. The insurance company eats the cost alone. And then you're, you like the escalator situation, like you'll go up when, when the, you have just credited. If there's a down year or a level year, you just stay flat. What yeah. you're at. So you're not going to lose anything beyond what you currently have. Right. So you have a floor. And more importantly, let's say this client gets a new job. Guess what? Maybe the new job will also offer a 401k. Yeah. So I would recommend, well, build that new 401k and diversify your assets. Now you got a 401k that's marketing and working with the stock market. Now let's take this orphan 401k and let's conserve this, make it a conservative um, investment account. So, so now you're diversified. So if the market tanks, this one will go down. This one stays still. If the market goes well, now both goes up. Yep. Can't lose. Right. And you know, I help a lot of agents with with annuities. So I think sometimes people look at it very binary. They're like, "Why wouldn't everyone just want to get an annuity? Why would you? Why would anyone be so stupid to keep in our four hundred one k or what?" I'm like, "Well, you know, if they're getting a company contribution match, mm-hmm. right? Matching. Why wouldn't you, Why wouldn't you do that? And then you have a lower tax foot, footprint, and you don't have to move everything immediately. So if it's if it's even eligible to move, so you know, there's got to be a, a right." You know, there's got to be right situation. So this is why it's important for us to ask the clients the right questions. You know, make sure we ascertain the information that we need to make and make it help them make a decision that's in their best interest. Mm-hmm. So you know, I I, lo- I love what annuity can do, and I think it's it's very underutilized and very not enough people know about it. So right. I mean, I think it's important for us to have this discussion to to share more information about it, so people can kind of look into it for the, to see if it's a right product for them. But, you know, I think in certain situations, you know, sometimes maybe it's not the right, right situation. And if the client tells us enough, if we gather enough data and we're like, okay, well, it's not really what you're quite what you're looking for. Gave it a shot. We did our best. You know, maybe you're better off some, somewhere else. And then you're going to learn that experience. You're going to learn that through multiple variables, multiple clientele of like who you're dealing with. And when that's when you're going to find out if an annuity is the right product for that individual. But knowing more about it, learning more about it, you know, watching the videos. If you guys haven't been, go to FFLAMS.com. Uh, you'll learn more about the simple retirement solutions and annuities because these are the, the knowledge you're going to have once you build this up. Now you can really talk to a, an individual. If it's like a technical thing, it, you know, it's, it's above your pay grade. And now you're going to get to that pay grade because you're learning more about the annuities. Because sometimes, you know, we do make money off of it, right? We make a sale off of an annuity. And now you're just pushing the annuity without really catering to the client. Now they, they kind of see the dollars in your face, the dollars in your eyes and saying, are you here to help me or are you here to make money off of me? Well, going back to your original Example. I mean, I guess if, if a client runs, if an agent runs that type of situation and you don't know what to say, you don't know even how to really broach the topic, just be like, if you find out that they have an existing 401k or they have a, a lump sum of money that they don't know what to do with, that they want to put towards their retirement, just, just be like, okay, you know, actually, can I, can I ask you a few questions about that? 
and just be like, how's that performing for you? What's your long-term goals with, with the, uh, with the money? Like, are you looking to retire anytime soon? Like real basic questions. And, mm-hmm. and if you don't know anything, which is perfectly fine, because we're all at that point at some point, you can, ju- you can just say, all right, uh, if you want to grab a copy of that statement, you know, actually what I'll do is I'll bring it back to my safe money retirement department mm-hmm. or the simple retirement solutions department or whatever you want to call it, something non-threatening. Right. And then, and then just be, just be like, uh, you know, I, I can't do it right now because I do have other members I need to go and go and meet with. But if you want to go and grab that statement, I'll bring it back uh, to my to my uh, one of the experts. They'll take right. get a chance to look at it. I'll, I'll let them know your details and your situation. And then we'll put together some illustrations to see how that's going to work for you. And we compare it side by side with, your, with, with what you currently have and what we're able to potentially offer you. And if it makes sense to you, then we'll see if we can help you get approved for that. Yeah. So, you know, will next week work for you and a couple of days work for you and then bring it back to one of us or to, to the SRS department or AMS department. I really want to brand it now. Yeah. Yep. And then, uh, and then get the get the help, and then we'll we'll take it from there. So I'll walk you through the rest of the process. If you know you're you're worried about, I don't know what to say from there. So just keep it simple. Yeah. To to be the the simplest part is I think instead of you selling the product um, in front of the client and you're smashing them about the annuity, the benefits of annuity, take it in a slow sales approach of saying like, hey, look, we have a team, and compared to a financial advisor, you don't have to pay us. We'll give you the best solutions. I just need a statement. We'll tell you what, what we can do for you if we can help you out. Right. And then more importantly, you let them know too. It's like, hey, look, based on all these things, free service, we can help you, great. Um, but at the same time, um, can I ask you a question? Are you uh, a saver or you're an investor? So ask these little questions to just figure out what, what they're leaning towards, right? And that's it. Get Open up a little spark of interest. Oh, maybe you, you bring value to me. Right. <laughs> all right, well, give me a statement. Well, <laughs> help you out. That, that's actually a really good question. Are you? Are, if you want to see if like uh, they're they're like they rather go and invest it or they want to they want to like put into something like this, you you'll you'll see what the risk tolerance is because you'll you ask question are you are you a saver or are you an investor? Most most wise acres will probably just say oh yeah I'm an investor yeah and then you're like okay so you're okay with losing money you're yeah okay what's your losing? percentage of loss <laughs> risk tolerance <laughs> and then they'll be like oh I don't want to lose any money then reality you're not an investor you're, you're a saver that wants some of the investment upside right right so that's what it, that's what an fia can do and that's 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 the main difference so it's important that you you learn how to ask questions like john just asked yeah so uh, for for you guys that are brand new just don't slam the clients on this is what you got to get let me help you out let's just try to take it one step at a time what do you want to do you want to save you want to retire you want to compound it let me know. I can help you out. By the way, it's a free service. We have experts. We have departments. They got all the licenses to analyze your situation. And then let's see what we can do for you. So um, for new agents, we have this thing called a fam bam, right? Just from a meeting, book a, an appointment from a meeting to another meeting and get a statement, set up a time, and then make it a real appointment instead of just like, hey, I just met you. We'll sell you some annuities. Is it right. Bam Bam or Bam Fam? Is it Bam Fam or Fam Bam? Bam Fam. Bam Bam. Fam. Book a meeting from a meeting. Book a meeting from a meeting. I mean, Fam Bam is like another cool term. It's <laughs> a better term, right? Fam Bam instead of Bam Fam. Which, which, by the way, what time, what time we're, we're watching a training with Andrew Taylor? Yeah. And then he said, uh, book an appointment from an appointment. And he's he's like, he's going over annuities and he's talking about book a meeting from a meeting. He's yeah. like, he's like, book an appointment from an appointment. And I was like, isn't that bafa? <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, however it makes it easy for you guys. We got your back. <laughs> so on follow-up to that. Okay, so these are great things, right? When we make an annuity sale, we we, get, we make good money, right? 
you get a big percentage off of that. And when we make an IUL sales, it's typically a big, big AP too. Yeah. So how do we get more of this? So if uh, the real question is, so if you're marketing these products, whether it's an IUL or annuity to your clients or for a client through your social media, who should be your target demographics? Who should we uh, look for, look out for, or attract? Well, you found a, you found a couple by happenstance, right? Yeah. But wait, what was your question again? So how do you find a client? How do you find clients if you're a social media or who is your target demographic? Who do you want to, to market get to? Who do you want to prospect from? For IULs and annuities. Oh, for IULs and annuities, who would I market to? Yeah. Um, well, because you, you just, you had your experience. So that's what Albert was saying. Talk about like the, the doctor, the dentist you're talking oh, about. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, well, because you guys are saying social media, but I think well, like- market, I think marketing and prospecting is- very, very wide. Yeah. yeah. I think like when it comes down to um, annuities and um, IULs, I want to say like for annuities, I would kind of market more towards um, honestly, like healthcare individuals. I think uh, most of them definitely have um, retirement plans. Yes. Also um, educators would be another good one. Um, I don't know what else would you yeah, those are good. Like middle, middle earning yeah. to high earning clients. Yeah, I would just say like going towards anybody that would um, basically like bigger, bigger corporations or bigger industries that, you know, um, for sure hold and lock down people for 20 to 30 years, you know, <laughs> union members. Huh? <laughs> union members yeah. yeah, yeah, targeted, exactly. targeted like areas that are you know, I wouldn't say affluent, but they're middle income to high income earners. Yeah. But in their industry, they have zero knowledge in the financial industry, right? So nurses are good. Right? Yeah, nurses, they're really great at, at their healthcare field. But when it comes down to money, they just know how to spend it. Yeah. Right? And they're like, tell me what to do. Um, they're in that category where do they want to pay for a financial advisor or they're not at that higher income about it yet, right? So Great thing for IULs, um, teachers, like you were mentioning, public employees, they have great benefits, uh, especially here in California, they have CalSTRS and CalPERS. But if you understand about their retirement, they don't get their full retirement from there. They usually get like 60 to 80%, 90% if you if you did a lot of years and a lot of um, um, your age tenure. and your years, right? Your tenure, it's, it's still not going to be 100% of their income. So that's where additional IUL can help out. Um, even better too, a lot of people that are self-employed, Okay, so great people. If you guys Uber yeah. drive, you know, if they're doing this for full time, barbers, barbers, people in the weed business, yeah, bartenders, <laughs> no, yeah. barbers, bartenders, yeah. you know, they make good money, but they they're like self employed. Yeah, a lot of small business owners, small business owners, tattoo shops, hairstylists. Yeah. You know who else gets a lot of IULs? Super wealthy people, right? Yeah, because it's a it's a it's a non-reportable tax-free income that you can generate on the side, right? You can generate, you, it's, an, it's tied in with an insurance product. Yes. So number one, if they have that much money, they probably have that insurance need anyway, even if they're, they're, they're loaded. Yeah. The thing is they still need to transfer wealth over, you know, when they pass away. So there's got to take care of state taxes, all the wealth transfer, transfer process. So they'll, they'll need some insurance anyway. Mm -hmm. So they'll need some life insurance. And then on top of that, they're able to, you know, create that extra, supplemental retirement income you know mm -hmm. a lot of high net worth individuals the whole infinite banking concept yep, they'll yep. be your own bank thing which i think is a little bit overplayed because man not, doesn't fit every, doesn't fit every situation um definitely doesn't fit like lower income people that that really want to be their own bank and i'm like 
bro, you don't have a bank account. I want to be my own bank with your time. I, I know. It's like, it's like let, me, let me tell you, 30 bucks a month ain't going to cut it for an IUL. Or it's not going to do what, I mean, you can get a policy for, for whatever amount. But the thing is, it's not going to serve the purpose that you originally had intended if you're looking at there's a dichotomy between how much you're able to get covered in that situation. Yeah. But a lot of high net worth individuals, they, they, they decide to get, take out another life insurance policy because they recognize the tax benefits of it. They can go yes. and invest the same amount of money in a stock or into mutual funds or into whatever riskier portfolios that they want to put it, put their money into, yeah. or they can get an insurance policy and then track along with the index. They have the life insurance built in with it. And then when, when they're able to access that cash value later on, that builds up, accumulates over time with compounding interest and all that good, good stuff with the access to that money it's tax-free yeah there's there's even crazier crazier stuff for the super super high wealth individuals um we used to have an agent that, that was doing that they they had ways to use an IOL to save them tax and then for the super super millionaires man they they know the tax codes and tax brackets where they would get even a foundation involved right so you would donate to this foundation the foundation's the the beneficiary for the the insurance policy, but the foundation's yours. <laughs> it's under your name in a separate mm -hmm. tax code. But also, the foundation is the one that threw a lump sum of money into the cash value to build it up, and it's all like circling around from each other. And yeah, they they save some taxes, they save some money, and the foundation gets paid life insurance when the person dies. It's Dis crazy. Disclaimer: This is not financial or tax <laughs> tax advice. We're just talking about some of the things that, that people can do. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. Now you have such a tremendous tool if people understand how to use it. So, if people if people if people come across a situation where they're like, "Hey, I have this amount of money," or "This is my income," or whatever, you know, we can present these options to them and kind of walk them through certain scenarios. Yeah, yeah I think it was called like premium financing or something. Yeah, premium loan financing. Yeah. Yeah. It's wild. Yeah, people people would pay that and then. You know, they, they'd be able to spend their money and then just leave the death benefit for their family instead, right? Yeah. So there's a lot of different things you can do with it. Yeah. So the higher the levels, you know, we have a plan and just understand we have we have our people. We have our, our um, SRS team, our FFL AMS, our advanced market team that can help you out with that. Um, last part, there's also that key person insurance for the uh, business owners. So basically with the key person insurance, the, the their business pays for that policy. They could set it up for their CEO, their employee, no benefits, but it'll be a life insurance. The beneficiary is the, the business, but they can take it away as a pension with the cash value. It's a lifetime income draw later on in the future once they do retire 20, 30 years down the road. So a lot of options available for, for our clients. So going back to the first question, who's the demographic? Any other persons uh, or people that you, you have in mind? Yeah, I think every, everyone can use one. I just think for people that are lower income that can't commit that much money, it's counterproductive to get an IUL because yeah. you can't really overfund it. So you're, pay, you're paying, paying barely the minimum and probably missing the minimum at certain points. Yeah, yeah. And if you're doing that, then the thing is the cash value never really gets an, an opportunity to accumulate to the degree in which the, 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 the purported value actually matches to what that client wanted. Right. So you're missing out on that altogether. So it's for, it's for a client that is responsible for their money that is able to overfund it properly and they understand what their long-term goals are. Yeah. So in that end, my suggestion would be for those clients, you know, with the IOL, there's your cost of insurance, then the, the overfunding of it. The best solution then is to overfund on a, a young kid. Okay. Do it to their, to their children. So it might not make sense for them because it's not going to be enough, but you can start a one-year-old to a five-year-old, $50, $100 plans and, and they'll be good. 
which I mean, I, I guess I should bring this from, from my own practical experience. So I get, I'll, I'll get some leads sometimes. And then people are like, I'm like, so what was what, your main goal here? They're like, I want to be my own bank or I want, <laughs> I want to build up a retirement income. And they're in like their fifties or sixties. Right. And then I'm like, so what's your budget for this? Which it's really not that practical. So it needs two things really for the cash value to accumulate to the degree in which it has real significant value to the, to the client. It's number one, you need to be able to overfund it, be able to have enough premium to put into that. Uh, Cause the, the three basic parts is uh, when for a premium for an IUL, the first part is like the fees, the administrative fees, or you right. call them cleaner fees, janitor fees, janitor fees. Yep. So that's to, for the company to pay their bills, to, to, to pay for the insurance agent's commission, mm-hmm. keep the lights on to process the applications, all that good stuff. The second part goes into the cost of insurance, mm-hmm. the which, risk, which when you're younger, so that's when you're younger, it's cheaper than as they get older, that cost of insurance will continue to gradually increase. Yep. And then less less of that premium goes into the cash value accumulation. So uh, the rest of the remaining remaining balance out of that premium goes into the cash value accumulation, which for a guy like Bryce, it's when you're younger, you have your premium doesn't have to be that high because more of that's being a portion out of that premium. The bigger third is going to be a, a portion towards the cash value accumulation. And then you have time. You have the right. luxury of time when you're younger. Compounding. So it starts compounding over time. If you're an older person, like you're in your 50s and 60s, which is not old, but in terms of insurance, it's not the most practical thing to get an IUL unless you're able to really overfund yeah. it. And even then your cost of insurance is higher. So less of that premium is going towards the cost, the uh, cash value accumulation anyway. So, you know, certain situations I'll run to clients and they'll be like, I want to be my own bank on do all this stuff. They may be in their fifties or even late forties. And then I'll be like, okay, so what's your budget? They're like, I don't know, like a hundred bucks. <laughs> and, and I'm like, you know, I'm just gonna be honest with you. It's a little counterproductive to do at this point. And I run through that same explanation as went over and I'm like, but what we can do, if you're healthy enough, we can do a, a policy. And I do my Americo CBO, CBO 100. Nice. I'll say you're going to be covered for this amount, amount of money for the next you know, 15, 20, 30 years. And if you don't die, you get all of your money back. And so they, they, which for, for the majority of them, they're all like, okay, cool. That, that sounds good because they've never even heard of that product before. Yeah. They also didn't know that an IUL may not fit their particular situation. So the thing is, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm trying to give the client what they, what they asked for. But then again, like if I, as an agent, as a professional, because I care about my craft and I, I'm just trying to understand the products and situations. If there's a situation that doesn't fit for them, I'll let them know, Hey, maybe it's not going to work like you intended it to, to work based off of these factors. And I explain to them, do you want to go this other route instead? Yeah. Especially that CBO, you can set it up within 15, 20, 25, 30 years. The CBO is set up where you have the life insurance and enough cash value to get all your money back based on the premiums you paid. So it's a it's a pretty high accumulating product, and it's yeah. it's like guaranteed. That's a guaranteed universal life, by the way. So the, the America product, when it comes to HMS, which is home mortgage series, for those that wonder what it stands yeah. for, you don't have to necessarily have a mortgage to, to get the product. But for the for the term one hundred, it's obviously pretty, it's just straight term covers mm-hmm. you for the next twenty thirty years, whatever whatever you choose. The CBO is a cashback option. When you do that, it's no longer a term. It becomes a guaranteed universal life policy. Right. So it's a GUL, and that's how that's how uh, you're guaranteed to receive all your money back, unless you start pulling from the cash value. You borrow from it. Yeah, or, you borrow right, from it. Automatic loan. It won't be the full amount. You just be taken out of the. But yeah, that's a better solution because you can set it up where if these people want to be their own bank and they don't have the years to compound, you can set them up on a 15 year. They get all their money back. It's it's a big bigger amount than the compounding our, our cash value IOL will do. Right. Yeah. And, and that, I think that's the thing I've learned over, over the years. 
uh, yeah, we are, we're all trying to do right by our clients. And, you know, sometimes we want to be too much of a people pleaser yep. in certain situations. You just got to be practical. You got to be a professional here and just be like, it's not going to work. And here's why. Yeah, it doesn't make here's, sense. Here's my, here's my suggestion. If they still say, I don't care. I still want to go with that. You like, I'll happily sell it to you, but you're going to be disappointed later. Right. I remember from um, Sean Ruggiero that, that was teaching about FFL AMS. He talked about the years and the compounding and, and how much would a good IOL be. He said in your thirties, you should be doing like a thousand a month. And then in, in your forties, like 1500 to 2000 in your twenties, you can get away with 500 ish. So when you got a client saying, I want to do a hundred a month it, in, in their fifties, it's not going to do a lot. You know, I actually heard a really good uh, rule from one of my clients. Cause like he, he did his research about being his own bank. He was, he, he ended up not getting it. Cause I went through the uh, progression with him and yeah. he recognized it wasn't the best thing. Yeah. Cause I ran through a couple of illustrations and he was like, yeah, it's not, not really enough much. at the end. huh? Yeah. He didn't have enough time. So, but I was, I was like, I, I just try to feel him out at the beginning. So I was, I was like, all right, so why, why do you want this product? What do you want it to do for you? And I'm like, now, now if we find a product that actually works for you, what's your budget for this? And then he was like, and I actually learned this from him. He was like, like, well, I, I was reading a little, little bit online. And then I heard a good rule is whatever your age is, put a zero behind it. Mm. So I was like, that's actually not a bad rule for younger ages. So if I'm 37, put three seventy. Okay. That's, that's I mean, that's good minimum, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> you get the same thing with clients and, and then we're going to wrap it up with this because we're, we're about to run out of time. You get a lot of clients. Yeah. I want to set up something for my kid. I want to set up for the college. And then they're like, how much, what's your budget? 50 bucks a month. What kind of college education are you getting out of that? Community, <laughs> community college? <laughs> Some books? <laughs> or you, you, they, they tell you this and like, I want to set up for something for my retirement. How much is your budget? 30 bucks a month? Come on, man. You're not going to retire with this. You're not going to send anybody with college to this. So before you even do a product, sometimes it's easier to just slap him right in the face like, bro, that's not saving. Right. <laughs> that's not getting you anywhere. So uh, any other last thoughts, any questions uh, for us before you wrap up? Hopefully this helped you guys out. Uh, this is going to be saved on YouTube. Um, feel free to like and subscribe. Uh, it's going to be on FFL Elite Clips. So it should be up and running by Friday. So we'll see you guys then next week. Appreciate you Bye, guys. everyone. Have a good one.